airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for joining us today for um, a discussion that hopefully will make our way all the way to the end of it. And uh, again, as with so many of our discussions, it begins with a question, and then we sort of unpack that question, um, maybe through a series of other questions. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But that's part of our our goal and our aim when we do this program is to get Christians thinking, um, shall we say, Christianly. And uh, what does it mean to to live as an authentic Christian? And I will keep that before you, keep that on your mind, that as we read news headlines and uh, we look at what is happening in our culture, we don't just approach those things from sort of a talking point view where Mm. we say, okay, here are our talking points. Here's how we're going to approach that. But I think we have to look at the spiritual implications of the things that happen around us. And so we're going to do that today. Um, But first, let me just say, uh, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And... um, we will open up the phone lines in the last segment of the show. Get your take on some of the things we're talking about today. But uh, here is the big question, and then we'll sort of, you know, work our way down, looking at what's happening in the culture. I'm well aware that we have not gone through all of the the suggestions from the Recovery Commission, this COVID-19 task force that is helping to direct how the country should open. I know we started that and we didn't finish it. I think some of that information will fold. I know we're not going to get to it today, mm-hmm. but some of that information will fold into the larger question mm-hmm. that's going to drive the show for mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll just see how all of that shakes out. But here is the question. The question is, are Christians headed toward a type of cultural hatred that mm. led to the mass and systematic persecution that our brothers and sisters experienced under imperial rule? And um I know that seems like such a big, like, that's like, whoa, whoa, wait, Mika, where did that come from? Like, that's a huge (laughs) question, you know, like, I mean, well, um, many of our listeners may know that I absolutely love church history. Mm -hmm. And when I read church history and study it and then read stuff again, um, because the history is not changing, right? But you've got all these different writers at different times and you've got these different perspectives that are coming in um, that kind of all work together to give you a big picture. So you can't really exhaust studying history, right? And in particular, my favorite church history. And um, one of the questions that I always ask myself as I'm reading through church history is, wow, how are we so different from these people? That's one of the questions that I ask myself. You know, I I wonder out loud, what is it that we don't understand? Mm -hmm. Or what is it that we have devalued um, that we live differently from our brothers and sisters who were closer now understand what I'm talking about. When I say this, they were closer to the cross than we are. Yeah. Okay. People understand what I mean, right? I'm talking about a timeline. Okay. I'm talking about chronology. That's an important question. It's a huge question. It's a, it's, it is a ginormous question because there is something that we can learn Mm -hmm. about our brothers and sisters in the faith 
who lived closer to the cross, closer to the empty tomb than we now are living. And there was something that was precious and dear to them about the faith that we largely, and I'll be careful here, but we largely have lost that will. Like Mm. we don't, we don't see things the same way. There are a lot of things that are negotiable. There are a lot of things that uh, it's just a matter of opinion. There are a lot of things that just kind of get tossed into into the category of semantics, so it doesn't really matter. Right, right. But for our brothers and sisters who were closer to the cross, closer to the empty tomb, um, there was not a whole lot of subjectivity mm. in discussions. Mm-hmm. No, there were objective truths. There were yes, there was no. Mm-hmm. There was yes, there was no. Uh, there was right, there was wrong. There was, look, there was um, will do, absolutely will not do because we cannot do. Mm. Mm. And here is another question, I guess that would be sort of a sub-question in this, in this discussion today. Are Christians, Christians headed toward the type of cultural hatred that was experienced by our brothers and sisters living under imperial rule? And this is, of course, prior to Constantine's Edict of Toleration. I'm, I'm talking about before it got good, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> before it got good, it wasn't, Quote all right? Uh, so, of course, right, I know, I know, right? Because then the church had other problems after the edict, right. okay? They, and he, Guys, you just got to read the history. It's, it's, it's fascinating. And you should you should care about it because this is your history. Yeah. This is your history. You should care about it because um, then the church had other problems. But prior to this, church had huge problems. It wasn't always like this. And, and I want to kind of paint a picture so that, so that we're all on the same page. But my question, ultimately, if you, if you wanted to kind of trim the question down and make it not so academic, a, quest, a question where you feel like you got to go read books and stuff like that. If you wanted to kind of trim the question down, the question would be, as a Christian, are there certain deal breakers in culture that you have identified? Mm. Now that's, that's very 21st century, right? That's a, <laughs> that question right there is one that you're like, okay, I watch this. I ain't got to go read no books to answer that question. Right. Okay. I could tell you right now. So, so that is my question. Ultimately, are there certain things in culture right now that are deal breakers for you that you say, I don't care what it costs me. I ain't doing that. <laughs> Because that Mm. statement is the statement that led to the type of persecution that we read about, Mm. the martyrs, right? And even the apologists like Tertullian who arose to defend the faith, not because they were sorry about it. No, they arose to defend the faith in part because of the great persecution that was experienced by Christians. Basically, the apologists were saying, this is dumb that you're persecuting Christians. Here is what we believe. Mm -hmm. Here is how we are a benefit to every culture in which we exist. Your fear and your concern about us is unwarranted, right? And so from that, it's a defense for the faith. Why do, why do Christians believe what they believe? Why do they behave the way that they behave, right? But the reason for that was because there was such a distinction painted by Christians in the early church, such a distinction painted that it caused great concern among people who surrounded them. Mm. And the great concern was, why won't they do these things mm. that if they would do these things, we would all have better lives? You mean like today's bake the cake? <sighs> it's today's bake the cake. <laughs> it's today's um, arrange the flowers. Mm-hmm. It's today's take the pictures. It's today's make the invitation. Mm. Um, it's today's attend the ceremony. Mm. Mm. Um, and I'm going to tell you this, and it's tomorrow's get the vaccine. Mm. Uh-oh. Uh I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) But here is my question. For every Christian, do you have a line in the sand where you say, I don't care what direction my culture goes in. I don't care what direction society goes in. I don't care what is required. Do you have those things 
where you're like to do these things would dishonor the Lord to do these things would dishonor the Lord. Now here, here let's, let's look at what our brothers and sisters endured and, and let's look at why they put themselves in a position to have to endure the type of torture and the type of suffering being ostracized in the culture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And let me tell you, this is a, this is new ground for Christians in America. Cause we're like, man, we built this culture. We're like, this is all us. I mean, you guys are good because of us, right? But now the culture has gotten away from us. Yeah. The culture has gotten away from us. <laughs> Moving on. And the culture has taken on its own self-defined goodness. Mm. It is a goodness apart from the word of God. It is a goodness apart from the conviction of God. It's its self-described goodness. But the problem is Christians are still trying to say that that goodness kind of is like our goodness. Mm. No, it's not. It's different mm. now. So we got to acknowledge that. We got to acknowledge that and it's And it's actually been right? flipped, too, to where, you know, the Christian would be seen seen as the wicked. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, um, that was said, right? Tim, what was his name? Uh, Tim, the guy who, oh, my goodness, who's going to punish the wicked. He's talking about the Christians. Was it Tim Gill? Uh, Tim Gill. Mm-hmm. Tim Gill. Thank you. Yes. Uh, that, go back and, and Google that. Punish the wicked. Tim Gill. And, and, and read his, his thoughts about Christians who want to stop homosexuals adopting babies, who want to deny that a person could be born in the wrong body. Now, which is to that, too. You Say can't be again? both. Okay. At the at, at, Tim Gill, these people that talk about punishing the wicked, mm-hmm. they're the ones who, and the wicked are those who want to stop homosexuals adopting children. Uh-huh. They want to deny that a person could be born into the wrong body. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, at the same time, we're also the science deniers. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, New York Times. We're going to talk about that. This is a month ago today. A month ago today. All right. This article was written that basically said that the road to the road to uh, COVID-19 was paid by evangelicals or the road to COVID-19 hell was paved by evangelical Christians. We're going to talk about that because I'm going to tell you where I think that this is going. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, this is not to say that we get here tomorrow, but I think we have to understand that the things that we see happening in culture are spiritually driven. Mm-hmm. They are spiritually driven. Right. So Tertullian, one of my favorite early apologists, Tertullian was known as a phrase maker. Mm -hmm. He was able to take some difficult theological concepts. He was also he was he was an apologist, but he was also a theologian. And he was able, God had given him the grace to be able to take difficult theological concepts and put them into catchphrases that we take for granted because we just know them. Mm. For example, Trinity. Mm hmm. That's a that's a whoa. OK, thanks, Tertullian, for introducing that to help us understand one in essence, uh, one in substance. Right. Three in person. Right. The Trinity. This is this is where we we take this from it, because there will be people who will say, well, you're not going to find the Bible. No, this is true. This is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But we do find Godhead. Right. And we do find a clear display of the Lord God existing three in one. Mm-hmm. And we see eternally not in modes looking at you, Arius. Okay, this is all part of our church history. These are hard fought battles that we would do well to understand. Right. Tertullian wrote a piece um, in the late second century called Apology, called Apology. Again, a defense for Christians. Right. And this is what he said. And and I'm setting this all up to go somewhere. This is what he wrote in in this piece called Apology. And I'm going to quote says, if the Tiber River, if the Tiber floods the city or if the Nile refuses to rise or if the sky withholds its rain. If there is an earthquake, a famine, a pestilence, at once the cry is raised, Christians to the lions. Mm. <laughs> what, what was Tertullian saying? Tertullian wow. was saying, 
that the culture, because remember, and, and this is something else that is important to know, and I'm going to read this excerpt in, in, in just a second from this, this uh, book on church history that I think is so important for Christians to understand. Hmm. Christians lived in a time and in a culture where there was a God for everything, mm-hmm. right? There, was a, there, there were uh, basic ceremonies, basic things that, you know, we take for granted. We attend a feast or we go to the hospital. All of these were connected to certain deities, okay? And so when Christians refused to participate, because <laughs> it was all attached to some religious implication, when Christians refused to participate, the thought was, you bring judgment on us from the gods. Mm, so blame it on the Christian. So blame it on the Christians. Mm. I'm telling you, the girl over there at the New York Times, mm. the girl doesn't know what is operating through her as she <laughs> writes these things. She's got a lot of pieces over there that she writes. Seems to be She seems to be the, you know how they have like the religious expert, mm-hmm. you know, people write about religion and all that stuff. She seems to be the religious attacker over there at the New York Times, this, mm. this, this girl. But we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But here is the point. It wasn't always this way for Christians living under imperial rule. In, in fact, it wasn't this way for various cultures who had religious practices in the countries that, as the Roman Empire spread, they would take over. Because these countries actually were grateful. I know it sounds weird, right? Because we always talk about things like imperialism and colonialism and all this stuff. But these countries were actually grateful that when Rome moved in, they brought a certain amount of order to the Mm. way things functioned. Mm. Right. I mean, so these countries, some of them were grateful. And here was the agreement between Rome and these various countries and their religious practices. As long as you just add, you know, and acknowledge some of our Roman practices, worship of certain deities to whatever it is that you've already got going on in your country, you're fine. Okay, so just add that and you're fine. But here is where the rubber came to meet the road for Christians. As the Roman Empire continued to grow and expand and include, of course, more and more Christians living faithfully according to their convictions, there began to be this collision where Christians were like, no, we're not adding that. Mm. Christians (laughs) are saying, no, Caesar is not Lord. Mm-hmm. We're not going to burn that one little pinch of incense once a year, once a year, burn one little pinch of incense and say Caesar is Lord. That's it. And then go back to the Jesus character that you guys love. But just make sure that you acknowledge Caesar. And guess what? This was not a religious statement as much as it was a political statement. Mm. It was a political statement. We have one government where Caesar is Lord and the Christians said no. All right, we got to grab the break. We'll be right back. back with all the content that i have well thanks i appreciate it that's what, that's what we need right there it's like keep, keep it up beat for you there just you keep it up beat for me because we're believers <laughs> and there are just certain things that we're not going to do in the culture i don't care what those things are guys you got it you got to keep your eyes open okay amen and 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 look like the hebrew young men 
Mm. Your decision about whether or not you're going to bow is not made right there in the heat That's of the it. moment, pun intended. Right. It's not made there in the heat of the moment, okay? That decision is already made so that you're like, you know what, uh, Nezer, we don't need to take a sidebar on this. Mm -hmm. We already we already know what we will and won't do in culture. All right, I got a story. The, the story that I'm looking at that really kind of, um, well, actually, Will the Great and I were talking about this yesterday. And uh, so, but this story out today, uh, one of the first stories I read this morning was uh, was one of those that, that I go, wow, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, so this is the story from uh, The Blaze. And then we'll go back to talking about, you know, what are the deal breakers for you as a Christian in culture? And, and you know, <laughs> okay, what are the deal breakers? So so here, here's the story. Texas cops use undercover sting operation to arrest women offering salon services at their homes. Mm. <laughs> wow. Two women were arrested in Laredo, Texas, after they were caught running a beauty salon inside their homes. The women were arrested during an undercover sting operation by the Laredo Police Department. Officers from the Laredo Police Department were informed of the activities through an anonymous tip. Now, let me stress this. The anonymous tip was done for the health and safety of the community in which the person, the tipper, lived or the tipster lived. Mm -hmm. Okay? Understand that the tip was not a tip given because it's sinister and it's malicious. It's because, no, you're hurting us by doing that. You are, you're hurting us by doing that. Mm -hmm. So we're turning you in. Because how dare you make a living at all in the midst of COVID-19? All right. I just that's I mean, that's basically it. So it's it's not something that is malicious. It is something that is done because if you do this, watch this. If you do this, you bring judgment from the gods on us. <laughs> you see, it's one thing when we look at the struggle of the Christians and we say, well, man, yeah, the Christians should have defied that because that's ludicrous. That's dumb. The gods are not causing the Nile to dry up or causing the, the, the Tiber to flood. Like the, the, the gods are not. I mean, come on, that's dumb. But see, it gets into a whole different category when people are like, well, hold on. We have science and, and you need to do these things. And when you don't do these things, you're science deniers. Mm -hmm. You guys need to give up all of those things that you think are important. Because we, you are hurting people around you. Well, look, that's the same type of conviction that was attached to the worship of these gods. Mm. It's not different. It's not different. Whatever conviction you need to dig down deep to get so that you're willing to persecute the person living next door to you, Man. then get it. That's how you get it. And that's how people arrive there. So it's one thing, you know, we can look at this and we can say, oh, my goodness, this tipster, how dare you know the tipster was doing what the tipster thought was best to preserve his or her community. Because nobody needs to be doing that. <laughs> now, you've got you've got Bill Gates. Who has already suggested that the United States states of america cannot mm -hmm. and will not and should not return to normal until every Everybody. american receives a vaccine mm. we're not going to see sports arenas filled up until every american receives a vaccine and guess what there'll be some people who say civil liberties what go get the shot <laughs> and get the paper that confirms you've already done it and 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 here is what is so interesting about that. What is so interesting about that is that under 
Roman rule, when the emperors, and it wasn't always this way, and there's so much detail, and I know I don't have time to go into all of the detail, but, but it's so worth studying. It, it, it's worth, it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always like this, but once it was decided that the Roman Empire needed to be united and it couldn't just be political, it also had to be spiritual. Because that's a that's a greater sort of binding force. Religion is a greater binding force than just our leadership, mm -hmm, right? Than just mm -hmm. saying this is a this is a political establishment. So the emperor has to be worshipped as as a god. He we have to acknowledge that that he is supreme. He is the supreme leader, and it's there is nothing that tops it. So he is to us a god. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Right. So when the Christians refuse to do this and, and again, again, let me just point out once a year. And this is about uh, the middle of the third century. Once a year, all Christians. Now, this is everybody, but I point out Christians because that's where my that's my point of interest. Right. Mm -hmm. But all Christians would have to do is burn a pinch of incense at the temple of Caesar and watch this get a certificate saying they did it. Wow. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Get a certificate saying they did it. And then they could get on with life. They could get on with life. But for Christians of the word of God, but for Christians who had received this incredible gift of salvation mm -hmm. who understood that there is one God and one Lord. This could not be done. Let me read to you. This is uh, this is from the late Bruce Shelley's book. Bruce Shelley was a um, historian, professor of history, church history in particular. Um, and uh, he died 10 years ago. He died 10 years ago, but he, he, he wrote a book and, it, and it actually somebody took over the revision of it. This is the fourth edition of his church history in plain language. And uh, this is what this is what he wrote. And I, I want you to understand this because, you know, when the question for us as Christians becomes, um, do we have that line in the sand? Do we have that thing that we're like, we're not going to do, which is why it's really laughable to me. It's laughable to me that Christians debate each other over whether or not we can or cannot acknowledge a marriage that God said is not. Mm. That's I, I don't Man. I'm like that. Yeah. I don't even, you that know, like I don't that even should be low hanging fruit. Like that's low hanging <laughs> fruit, guys. That's yeah. low-hanging fruit. I mean, at a very minimum, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, that, that would have gotten the Christians thrown to the lions, okay? <laughs> but they would have gone willingly mm. because how in the world can I affirm something that is reprehensible to God? It's not even a question. It's not even a question. And again, going back to the initial observation in the form of a question, what's different about us? today that's a great question what's different like we though you know those who were closer to the cross closer to that empty tomb there there was something that was radical about them but it was a normal radical way of life it wasn't an abnormal radical way of life mm -hmm. today we call that extra they weren't extra mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was just basic living listen to this men always view with suspicion people who are different conformity not distinctiveness is the way to a trouble-free life. So the more early Christians took their faith seriously, the more they were in danger of crowd reaction. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's why the enemy loves apathy. He doesn't care if you just kind of care about Christianity. 
Because the more Christians took their faith seriously, mm-hmm. the more they were in danger of a crowd reaction. Thus, and listen to this, this is, okay. Simply by living according to the teachings of Jesus, the Christian was a constant unspoken condemnation of the pagan way of life. Mm. So you didn't have to go out saying, oh, my goodness, this is not lawful. This is not right. This is a disgrace. No, all you had to do was live faithfully. <laughs> kind of sounds like First Peter 315. <laughs> <laughs> you live faithfully and then you provoke people around you. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's either going to be this fragrant aroma leading to life or it's going to be the stench of death that they smell when they get near you. Mm. If they don't want to change, if they don't want to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not that the Christian went about criticizing and condemning and disapproving, nor was he consciously self-righteous and superior. It was simply that the Christian ethic in itself was a criticism of pagan life. I don't know how we've gotten so far away from that type of living. Mm. Fundamental to the Christian lifestyle and the cause of endless hostility was the Christian's rejection of the pagan gods. The Greeks and Romans had deities for every aspect of living, for sowing and reaping, for rain and wind, for volcanoes and rivers, for birth and death. But to the Christians, these gods were nothing. (laughs) And their denial of them marked Mm. the followers of Jesus as enemies of the human race. Mm. Now, it has been so difficult for us to understand how our faithful commitment to Christ in America could mark us as an enemy of the human race. We've kind of felt that as we see ourselves like being more outspoken that no, there's only two sexes, male and female. God made them. <laughs> right. So we say, you know, we we've gotten comfortable declaring that as timidly as we have to, we, you know, mm-hmm. but now here we are, we're entering into a new era where it is going to be something that will almost be scientifically defined that you hate people. If you don't do these oh. things, <laughs> You see that, right? Yeah. And so what? It's and you, and you, yeah. it, it's a total flip. Mm-hmm. It's a total flip. And and I would and I would tell you that you put the weight of the science if they want to acknowledge that, which you know you can have some fun with that because they're the science deniers. Okay, they're the science deniers. Mm-hmm. But if you want to play their game, the weight that they would put on the science that would be compelling certain Christians to deny their conscience, right? The way that they would put on that would be the same weight put on these gods. Mm. They bless us. They help us. They hold back pestilence. They make sure that there are no volcanoes erupting. And, you know, it's amazing to think about. We was talking to uh, one of our daughters who had a question about, because we were talking about homosexuality being a, a mental disorder. At, at You know, it, it was seen as, as that. Yes. You know, and now how now, you know, is not seen that way but it's but it still is you know things you see you see things like switch and change and flip you know even if there is scientific um uh proof on on, you know that that goes against what they think they still you know it's like man you used to submit to this science was your one of your gods and now exactly right it's just feelings like it's just like no we don't feel like that's right you know yeah it's, it's amazing to see how how things shift even in that way and it's even more amazing when you point out, as we did in the conversation, because this this was a question that we were having with our kids, a conversation we were having with our kids based on a question she asked. But it's even more amazing when you point out that there are similar um, maladies, if you will, of the mental sort that we still classify as a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, bulimia, mm-hmm. anorexia, 
Mm -hmm. um, believing that you should not have a limb that you have. Mm. I forget the name of that. Somebody's yelling it at the radio. I can't hear you. <laughs> um, but these things we still say, no, this is a mental disorder. Yeah. But sex, the God of our culture, Come the on. reigning God of our culture, says that, no, okay, I don't care what you say about science. We no longer classify any type of sexual disorder as a mental disorder. Notice that all of the sexual disorders are no longer classified as mental disorders. Mm. They're, they're <laughs> all okay and increasingly expanding in their okayness, yeah. if you will. Yep. So more, more room under the tent. Yep. As time goes on, pink boas come out to the front of the march now. We had you guys mm. in the back come out to the front of the march. And 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 look, affection for children, mm. an illicit activity mm -hmm. between children. Had you guys inside during the march, but now come now to the back, but we'll <laughs> move you up just like we did with the tea and all of this. Mm. We'll move you up. Again, here is my question. Do we as Christians have lines in the sand where we say, I'm just not doing that? How do you have a man? This is my question, my sincere question here. By the way, can I just say, uh, Jan Markell, we air her program, uh, Understanding the Times, mm -hmm. her program on Saturdays here on American Family Radio. Her last two Saturdays have been extraordinary. I mean, they're, they're always good. But her last two Saturdays have been extraordinary. And I would encourage you can go to the archives. Uh, you can get her podcast and you can listen. Um, but just a, an incredible amount of insight that I think just should stagger the Christian. I think it should kind of stop us for a moment and really cause us to contemplate where we're headed in our country and what we are willing to negotiate away for feeling safe. It's very similar to the Greeks and the Romans and their need to feel safe and protected by their gods. Whatever it is that they were worshiping, they needed to feel that sense of protection. So they're willing to give up whatever or add whatever. I mean, we just need to feel safe. And, and, and again, and I'm not saying that to be manipulative. I'm saying that because that is genuinely my observation. How do you take a man and Bill Gates and his foundation? How do you take a man who is committed to reducing the population in the world and think that all of a sudden he wants to save it? <laughs> right. There must be more to right. it. I mean, there must be more to it. All of a sudden, Bill Gates, who wants to reduce the population, is saying, if everyone is vaccinated, we're, this is how we're going to save our population. But you're, that's not what you want. Mm. That's not what you want. So you've got, it's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, it is Eat at Joe's. It's Eat at Joe's. <laughs> you remember the cartoon, the Eat at Joe's, the little, the little sketches. You know, a little animation where there's the pencil and they flip the mm -hmm. page up. That's the kind of sketch I'm talking about. It's black and white. Yeah. Eat at Joe's. You got all the animals. They're like going to eat at Joe's. And then they finally get there and Joe, Joe is like a fox. He's like a bear or something. It's like Joe is eating you. Hmm. And everybody's just marching, getting in line, going to eat at Joe's. And they follow one after the other. Where are you going? I'm going to eat at Joe's. Everybody's eating at Joe's. And the promotion has come from Joe. Joe's leading the pack. They show up. It's at Joe's house. Mm. Joe's got a big pot to boil them all in. What I'm saying is this. The kind of safeguards that we have in this country, really, if you allow for the word of God to supersede any other type of safeguard that you have, that's your best bet there. Mm. That's your best bet. What are your biblical convictions 
Are you are what are the things that you say, man, these are non-negotiables. I'm not I'm not doing this. I don't care what direction the culture goes in. I'm not doing that. All right, let's grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. not reject the gods without arousing scorn as a social misfit. For the pagan, every meal began with a liquid offering and a prayer to the pagan gods. A Christian could not share in that. Most heathen feasts and social parties were held in the precincts of a temple after sacrifice had been made. And the invitation was usually to dine, quote, at the table of some god. A Christian could not go to such a feast. Inevitably, when he refused the invitation to some social occasion, the Christian seemed rude, boorish, and discourteous. Pause for a second here. Again, this is from the book, Church History in Plain English, in, in plain, in, plain Language. This is Bruce Shelley. The late Bruce Shelley wrote, wrote this book. Um, it's interesting that in 21st century America, the Christians who are saying, no, we just can't bake the cake. Um, I can't arrange the flowers. I'm happy to let you come in and pick some flowers that are already mm-hmm. here, but mm-hmm. I cannot lend my artistic ability to expressing a thought with which I disagree. Yeah. People are saying, oh, that's just a political positioning. <laughs> Where was the political positioning in this? Mm. Okay, what what kind of power do you gain from this? In fact, it increases the, the likelihood and the fact it did happen, it's not likely, it did happen that you're going to be ostracized. Right. You're going to be outside of the larger culture. Right. Again, let me uh, back to the book here and then we'll open the phone lines. All right. Mm-hmm. Other social events Christians rejected because they found them wrong in themselves. The gladiatorial games. Okay. The uh, gladiatorial games. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> some people are like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, it's just fighting, right? Um, gladiatorial combats, for example, Word to the Christian, inhuman. <laughs> in amphitheaters all across the empire, the Romans forced prisoners of war and slaves to fight with each other to the death just for the amusement of the crowd. The excitement was seductive. Let me repeat that. The excitement was seductive. Hmm. As late as the early 5th century, Augustine tells a story of his friend Olympias, who agreed to attend a spectacle to please a friend. So he went to please a friend. But Olympias said he was going to keep his eyes closed. Hmm. This is this is this is amazing. <laughs> Back to the book. When the shouting began, Olympias, his eyes popped open, hmm. and he was yelling above the rest. Man, <laughs> should we let people make their own oh. connections? People be making their own connections. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I can. I don't need you, Mika. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll move on. The Christian fear of idolatry also led to difficulties in making a living. A mason might be involved in building the walls of a heathen temple, a tailor in making robes for a heathen priest, an incense maker in making incense for the heathen sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Tertullian, previously mentioned, even forbade a Christian to be a school teacher because such teaching involved using textbooks that told the ancient stories of the gods. Mm. 
and called for observing the religious festivals of the pagan year. Guys, this is not new. Christians endeavoring to hold the line are not extra. They're not self-righteous. Yeah, because you, you can hear people saying right now, I hear them. That's too much. That's too much. That's too much. Just like, look, these ladies in this story, there's there's one lady. I, I'm going to go back to this. Just again, again, this is interesting. And, uh, you know, you can you can do it at what you want. But again, there's a, a lady in a, a Dallas salon who refused to shut down her salon. She's saying, look, I haven't paid my mortgage. She um, employs 19 hairstylists. She says they haven't paid their mortgages. So we got to we got to make a living. We got to make a living. Right. Mm-hmm. So so what are, what are we going to do here? Are we going to yield to this type of nonsense that is government control and says we can have liquor stores open don't look don't okay i guys i'm serious here and and again i'm trying to be understanding i'm trying to be understanding we cannot gather meeting in the name of jesus but in the name of home improvement shall we all pack it out I'm looking at you, yeah, Lowe's. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Home Depot. <laughs> We're not, I, I see you guys. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Every day. I know. Look, if you're if it's essential things, I know you're not burning light bulbs that quickly. Come on, man. <laughs> come on. Let's. I mean, look, guys. If you look at this, it is ridiculous. There's more information out, and if if, if it's science that we need. There's more information out that says, hey, actually, we should really be building some immunities here. We really actually need to spend more time out than in. There's concern that now when people are suddenly like the doors are open on everybody's houses, okay, that we (laughs) flood back out and now we've got these weakened immune systems. I mean, you know, this is what I say. I I said this to I said this to a cashier the other day. And she's at a she's at a grocery establishment where they now have to wear masks. They have to wear masks. And remember what I said last week. The masks are no longer to protect you. The masks are to protect other people from you. So the masks are a form of caring. And she said to me as she's checking, checking me out, she said, um, it's so hard to breathe on this mask, she said. <laughs> and I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And she goes, I just don't understand. And I said, you know what? I said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord has built our body to defend itself. I believe that. I believe that. I don't think we need to be reckless. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not one of those. And you guys know, like, I admit mm-hmm. it. Germ phobe here. Yeah. I am extra careful. <laughs> I am extra careful. All right. If look, I would travel with toilets if I could. OK, I, I'm <laughs> extra careful. OK, so this is not this is not a public service announcement for licking toilet seats. You don't understand <laughs> what I'm saying? This is not that. Oh my goodness. I mean, people were doing it, Will. There is a TikTok challenge. They were doing it. These people are crazy. They're doing it. What I'm saying is this. What lines in the sand do you have? You know, I I look at my concern. My concern. Let me give the number. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. My concern is that our economy cannot continue to bear up under the weight of massive unemployment. And so then you find yourself in a state of desperation. You understand? And we believe that, well, we just cannot do these things. Mm. You know, we just, we cannot go out. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I think for many people, and I, and I said this last week, I think for many people, mentally speaking, there will not be, and I, and I hate that this is so, but there will not be a return to normalcy. Mm. 
there will not be a return to thinking that it is it is okay. And I'm telling you where this intersects for me, where I care most is about how this affects the body of Christ. Yeah. So I think for many people, there will be, well, I'm not going to your church. I'm not gathering with other believers because it's not safe and it's never going to be safe again. And the gathering of the believers is not optional. Come on. It's not optional. If it were optional, who would risk having the doors barred and being burned while they gather to worship in Nigeria? Who mm. would do that? Like, why? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> can, can we not teleconnect? <laughs> why, why are we gathering inside the w- teleconnect? <laughs> because it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Because it's vital. Because it's a command. And I know that's not popular. I know that doesn't sound scientific. It doesn't sound like the experts. I understand that. But what I'm always doing in my, my, my mind, I'm looking on the, on the other side of this. And I'm looking at all the talk about tracking. And I'm looking at the talk about vaccines. And, and I'm looking at the talk about not being able to return to normal until everyone has received certain vaccines and can get approval to go back to work and, and all of these things. And, and I'm looking at where, where the right to conscience once was celebrated in this country. I'm, I'm hearing the sound of the toilet. <laughs> I hear the sound of the toilet. And how have we gotten here? It's, it's fear. It's, it's self-preservation. Yeah. It's panic. It's being willing, willing to give up those basic civil liberties in exchange for the feeling of safety. I'm concerned that there will be a day where people will not be able to leave hospitals unless they've had certain things done to their bodies. (laughs) Won't be able to take newborns home unless the newborns have had certain things done to their bodies. I'm concerned about that. And you can say, man, Miki, come on. All we have to do is look at these people's footprints. Look at look at what they're after doing. All right, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 for the women in Texas. Look, they had a line in the sand. They were like, look, we're not going to continue begging the government for assistance. Yeah. We can work with our hands. We know what we're doing here. Now, again, I'm not saying be reckless. I'm 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 not advocating for violating, violating edicts. Right. Okay. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) But my goodness, I'm saying guys, don't, don't lose your distinction. Don't lose your distinction. I mean, there's some people right now who are like, man, we don't, I don't know if I really wanted to open up. I'm kind of enjoying me, you know, (laughs) come on, man. Something's dying. Something's dying. Remember, understand that when Adam was given a job to work in the tent, the garden, that's before the fall. Mm -hmm. That's before the fall. There's meaning in that. There's a certain significance in doing something for the glory of God. And I'm not suggesting that everybody's at home, you know, is just eating pretzels. You know, I'm not saying that. At the same time, I'm saying, man, there's a there's a job that God has given you to do. And mm-hmm. it's connected to the gifts that he's also imparted to you. Amen. And that's drying up in our country. I was looking at a story, looking at a headline, Nancy Pelosi. You know, she <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's like, see. This is why everyone needs to have a living wage given to them by the government. Oh, come on, baby. Mm-hmm. All right. Where do we go first, Will the Great? All right. Let's go to Frank in Tennessee. Hi, Frank. Hi. I, I appreciate the opportunity to 
to give some uh, feedback. I, I was really intrigued at um, what was said about, you know, individuals that want to depopulate, but yet <laughs> at the same time they want to <laughs> save the world. Mm-hmm. But I, I see that because of the, the vehicle that they're using, which the scriptures gives um, a lot of insight about it. If people look at the the Greek, the original Greek language about the, the sorceries of the great harlot. Mm. We get our word uh, from that word. The pharmakia is the word mm. that the, the KJV translates as sorceries. Mm-hmm. And, and it indicates in Revelation 18.23 that the sorceries are a deception to all the nations. And we, we get our word pharmaceuticals from it. And when you look up the etymology of pharmaceuticals, you'll see why the KJV uses sorcery, because it involves it means medications and pharmaceuticals and so forth. So because they're able to use that mm-hmm. as a vehicle, they're, they're, able, they're able to deceive people uh, into basically carrying out their agenda. Wow. So, uh, Frank, look, let me just say this. I appreciate yeah, you calling. Um, I'm, I'm aware of that. And, and can I just add to what you said, and then we'll go back to the phone lines. Um, our generation of children now, and um, maybe the previous one, the tail end of the previous one, um, are some of the most vaccinated kids. They have some of the massive amounts of drugs that have been pumped into their bodies, and they are some of the sickest kids that America's ever had. Hmm. They've got some of yeah. the biggest ailments that America's ever seen. Yeah. And that is an epidemic. And you say, wait a minute, how are we supposed to be vaccinating more, but we got sicker kids? Yeah, yeah. How are our kids unwell? The, look, if if you can go look into a, your parents' old suitcase and find your little vaccine card, the little one, find that little card. It's probably right. all tattered and bent up. The ink is probably bled over. But find that little vaccine card. You'll find double and triple the amount of vaccines kids have to get now. And you'll say, whoa, <laughs> wow. Right. It almost seems like you didn't need to get vaccinated because you didn't do anything to help them not need so many. <laughs> all right. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Lisa in Mississippi. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? Doing good. Good. I just wanted to say when you're talking about um, the the people accusing Christians of being the science deniers and something you said and talking about feelings and all that and something you said made me think of a quote that I heard a while back and I wish I knew where it originated, said, if you call a tail a leg, how many legs does a dog have? <laughs> a dog still has four legs because the tail is not a leg. Mm-hmm. That's you can great. Call it whatever you want, but this dog still only has four legs. That's yeah. great, Lisa. I agree. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm 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 going to use that with my kids. Thank you. <laughs> it's very very good. Let's try to squeeze in one more call, maybe two. Will the great. All right, let's go to Corey in Arkansas. Hi, Corey. Hello, sir. I pray all is well with you both. Yes. And I want to say thank you so much. Go deep. Um, <laughs> you know, really, I, I pray people wake up and start seeing it. Um, it it's plain. Uh, you know, God's Word tells us that wide is the way that leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. And look at how many people are on it. And, mm-hmm. and what I'm seeing is, is Satan is using money. Right now we got this uh, come flu, whatever they want to call it. But if if you don't write it down at the hospital a certain way, mm. you don't get taxpayers' funds. 
So mm. the Christians that are going to say, wait a minute, man, I can't do that. They're standing out. Mm. You know, Corey. Thank you so much for that. Man, I, I'm telling you, that right there, he peeled back the, the end of something else that we could start to discuss. When you talk about um, some of our medical professionals being forced to label things a certain way, that is a violation of their own conscience. All right, we are out of time for today. Yeah. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.